Uh, well, guys, it is, it is the last Sunday of Advent. What I mean by that, there's four Sundays uh, that you light candles. Each of those candles represents something. Our first candle uh, represented hope. Our second candle represented peace. Uh, the rose candle, the peak uh, candle, uh, represented uh, joy. And then this morning, we're going to light the fourth candle, which uh, represents love. Uh, now, we have one final candle to light. We do that on Christmas Eve, and that is the Christ candle. Uh, and we'll do that when we get to our uh, Christmas Eve service. Traditionally, we light that, and then off of that candle, we light everyone's candles that they're holding. This year, we will light that, and then you will turn the little button on your little... Uh, <laughs> remember, we're renting now, people. Turn on the button on your handheld. It'll be great. Kids can hold it. You can turn them on the whole time. I don't care. You're not going to get wax anywhere. So um, it'll be a sweet time, though. We really do want to encourage you to come to that Christmas Eve service. So uh, here's what we've done every week as we talk about these candles is we kind of define what it is we're talking about, why it is that we're celebrating and remembering that topic uh, this, this Christmas season. And so when we get to the fourth candle, we get to uh, the thought of defining love. Um, instead of me giving you kind of, kind of some uh, working definition, I think the easiest way to define love is simply to read to you what the Bible says about it. So three passages, if you've got your notes there, that are kind of highlighted, the first being John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have uh, everlasting life. Uh, then we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, and Paul writes this, he says, Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, it is not boastful, it's not arrogant, it's not rude. Uh, love's not self-seeking, it's not irritable, and, and it does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. He says, love never ends. And then the final passage I'll, I'll read to you is actually our text for this morning. It's uh, John. John writes this in 1 John chapter 4. Starting at verse 7, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but He loved us and He sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us and His love is made complete in us. And so, with that in mind, I want to share with you four things quickly this morning. Uh, four reasons why Christmas happened. Right, that's what we're celebrating, the advent, the coming of Jesus. That's what Christmas is. It's the birth of Jesus. So I, I thought it would be appropriate the last Sunday of Advent to talk about why, why, why did Christmas really happen. So, so four reasons. Okay, Number one, I want you to know that Christmas happened because of God's character. Christmas happened because of God's character. That's not a, a starting place for many of us, but it is actually where the Bible begins. See, why, 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 why do we have Christmas? We have Christmas because of who God is. That's why we have Christmas, right? Uh, again, we're just going to walk through this text in 1 John 4, but this is what it says in verse 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. 
And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because, look at that last part, because what? God is love. God is love. That's a huge statement. It's saying, like, listen, who God is, this is unchangeable, right? The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's, He's unchanging. So part of the DNA of God, who is spirit, so part of God's spiritual DNA is this truth that He is always love. He's always love. I've talked to you guys about this before. It means that when we're going through something difficult, that it's, it's literally the most loving way that God could get us to where we need to be. Just think about it. Because God's love. He's always, God being loved, it means that He's always going to, to, to love you the best way that He can in order to get you where you need to be. No matter what life throws your way. The most loving for the most amount of people for the longest period of time. That's what God being love is, right? And so, so we begin here. We, we think, why, why did Christmas happen? Why, why Advent? Why a Savior? Why, why Jesus, the one and only Son of God that we just read about? Why, why, did, why did all this transpire? It's, it's all birthed out of it. It all begins in the very person of God. God is love. That's why we have Christmas, okay? So that's where we begin. So we begin. Second reason we have Christmas. Second reason Christmas happened. Ready? Not only because of God's character, but the second reason we have Christmas. Christmas happened because God cares about you. Right? Because God cares about you. Just walking through the text. We left off in verse 8. We'll pick up in verse 9. And here is what it says. It says, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His one and only Son into the world so that we might live through him. His one and only son. That sounds familiar, right, from, from John? You say, well, why, why did God send his one and only son? Well, you can either read on to verse 10, which we'll get to in a second, or you can maybe, like me, you think about John's gospel, right? John chapter 3, verse 16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son. See, same phrasing there. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So God, in in verse 9, God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Why did he do that? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. Because he loves the world. Now, there are some people that hear that and they say, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm I'm a little more comfortable saying, well, God so loved the world. Let's just keep it at that. But but I, I want you to know, I think it's important that we personalize things. See, we, we begin with this big view of God. Christmas happened uh, because of who God is, okay? But Christmas also happened because of how God feels about you specifically. And it's okay to personalize that. And that doesn't make God small and it doesn't elevate you to God's place. It's just the, the tension that lies in Scripture, right? That God is holy, God is righteous, God is perfect. God doesn't need us, but He chooses us. And that tension is always there. All right? And, and, and listen, if you're not comfortable with this thought, well, God loves me. You know, maybe you've heard a pastor say, you know what? Jesus would have died on the cross if it were only you. Some people go, that, that just doesn't make me comfortable. That feels feel like I'm elevating myself. Well, I, I don't know that you're elevating yourself any more than Jesus did. Right? He said this in, in Luke 15, 4. He says, what man among you who has a hundred sheep and loses one of them does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. Here's what I'm saying. Christmas happened because of who God is. But it also happened because of what God thinks about you. 
Because he cares for you. Because he loves you. And you've got to receive that this year. Like maybe you, you walk through the doors and you're like, man, I'm, I'm not very lovable. You know what? I get you, man. We have a, we, we, we have a good tendency uh, to keep you know, our, our record. Like, hey, I know what I've done. I've done this. I've done that. And I've done that. And I've done that. And, and God, I failed you here. And God, maybe I failed you this morning. Maybe I failed you last night. And we kind of walk. I'm not, I'm not very lovable. And I get that. But it's not about what you think. It's about what God thinks. <laughs> And God loves you in spite of you. That's kind of what we get to. That's our next point, right? Third reason Christmas happened is this. Christmas happened out of God's character. It happened because He cares. But third, it happens because we couldn't love rightly. It happens because we couldn't love rightly. Uh, look at verse 10 with me. 1 John 4.10 says, Love consists in this, not that we loved God but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay, right? Not that we love God. I want you to focus on that. So it, it, Christmas happened. Advent happened. Jesus came not because we love God. And you may think, well, that just means that, 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 that we, we didn't do it. It, it. It's not that we couldn't. No, no, friends, it's that we couldn't. Okay? Hear me, the first and greatest command in all of Scripture is to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. But we know because of sin, uh, that the moment that sin entered the world, we became slaves to sin. We became trapped by sin. The, the Bible calls us captives. Jesus came, Advent happened, Christmas happened, the Messiah came to set the captives free. There's a moment that when you think back to the exodus from Egypt and you think about God's people, why would God allow His people to be enslaved and dealt with harshly? Because God was showing His future people what it looks like when you live in sin. You don't even have a choice to be free. And then remember Moses, uh, the deliverer, brings them out and he brings them to the brink of the promised land. Then they had a choice. Jesus has made it so that we have a choice, right? He has conquered sin. He's conquered death, right? He's, he's parted those waters so that we could walk across on dry ground. And now we have this choice. And so uh, this morning we need to remember that Christmas happened because we couldn't love rightly. It had to happen. We were captives. We were captives, okay? Kind of last point. Staying in the same text. That Christmas happened because the cross was necessary. Christmas happened because the cross was necessary. This makes the last point make sense. So, so Christmas happened because of God's character. It happened because God cares. It happened because we couldn't love rightly, which was the greatest commandment. Lastly, it happened because the cross was necessary. We're going to look at the same verse, just with a different emphasis. It's verse 10. And again, it says, love consists in this, not that we love God. That's what we focused on last time. But it goes on. But it says, but that he loved us and he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, we defined love earlier uh, by reading scripture. Okay, and one of the scriptures we read was 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast. And then it drops this bombshell. It keeps no record of wrongs, okay? 
And then we read from 1 John that said, 1 John chapter 4, uh, said God is what? Love. Okay? Now we're going to put this together. This is crazy spiritual math. Uh, if God is love, and love keeps no record of wrongs, that would mean that God keeps no record of our wrong. There's only one problem with that, my friends, and it's this. God is all-knowing. And God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So God can't forget. That's, uh, like, God's not forgetful. I walk into a room and forget what I was doing all the time. Anybody else, right? It's horrible. It's horrible. I have this thing in my pocket now. I set reminders for myself. I constantly forget where I'm going, what I'm doing. It's, it, it's horrible. God's not that way. God, God can't forget. And so when we, we, we kind of process, like, like, wait a second. How can that be true? How can God be love and keep no record of our wrongs? Because God is love, but He is also just. So what I'm saying to you, something had to happen in order for God to keep no record of our wrongs. Because he can't forget. It's not who he is. He'd have to cease being God to actually forget what we've done. And so God, because he is just, he fulfilled what had to be fulfilled. You see, the Bible is very clear that the wage of sin is death. The penalty for sin is death. Someone had to die. And what verse 10 says is that this Messiah, right, that what we celebrate at Christmas, the advent, the birth of Jesus, that this Jesus, God's one and only Son, was born in order to die. He came to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, that means, uh, big spiritual terms simplified, that God would accept His death as a payment for our sins if we believe. That's what atonement is. So Jesus came... We talked about Passover a second ago. You remember the, the blameless lamb that they, they killed and they put the blood on the doorpost. Jesus came and shed his blood so that death would pass us over. God attributed that to us actually as righteousness. So two things happened. Our sin was atoned for through the cross. Okay, But leading up to the cross, Jesus lived a perfect life for 33 years. Here's how the Bible puts that right here. Uh, one more slide, please. It says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. That in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So here is the big word for that, big uh, theological term, ready? Imputed righteousness. You can write that down, it's okay. Imputed righteousness. You've got our digital sermon notes. There's a little empty box underneath. You can click on the big empty box and write imputed righteousness. So listen, what happened when Jesus died is twofold. Our sin was paid for, but in addition to that, so that no record of wrongs would be there, Jesus paid for all the wrongdoings we would ever do. But get this, then He gave us, He imputed to us, this is a transactional cause in the heavenly books. The Bible says that God keeps books on everything that will be, will, will be held accountable for every word we've spoken. So in God's books, in our ledger, uh, what happened when Jesus died, okay, all of our sin was canceled, okay, it was all removed forever, Okay? And then all of his righteousness was given to us. It was imputed to us in our ledger. So in the heavenly books, if you could see him, I don't think we get that opportunity. <laughs> that big accountant in the sky, whoever, whatever archangel that is, I don't know, they must be good with numbers. 
you were to look up your name if you received Jesus, you would see all the righteous acts of Jesus under your name. See, for Christmas, it happened because the cross was necessary. That's what Advent's about. The Son of God came to earth and was born, and he was born so that he could die for our sake. And that, my friends, is how you define love. That's what love is all about. So what do we do with that? I think there's only a couple things. First and foremost, uh, we receive it. We receive the love. That's capital L because that's a person. We receive the love of God. And here's my hope. Here's my prayer. Uh, I know most of you here are believers. Maybe some of you at home. Maybe you're not. So here's my hope. My hope is that this Christmas, the very first gift you receive is the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is say, you know what, Lord? I'm lost. I need help. And that guy told me you loved me. And if you love me, would you come into my life today and take control? And he will. And he will. Just receive that love. He'll take care of the rest. You may say, man, I'm so broken. I don't even know how to clean myself up. That's the beautiful thing. Fish don't have to clean themselves up. A fisherman does that. You just got to let him catch you. And he will. And he will. So we start there. Receive the love of God. Uh, second, I think only right response when somebody loves you that way is to love them back. It's to love them back. Say, so how do I love God? Well, we love God through, through worship. We love God uh, through obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. Right? And so, guys, just get serious about it. Like, like most Christians, guys, our, our problem is not that we don't know enough truth, you know. Uh, if you were to poll Christians, most Christians, and as a pastor, because I've been doing this for a while now, most Christians are like, I need another Bible study. We need to have prayer meeting. We need to do this. We need to do that. No, we just need to do what we've already been told. That's, that's what we're lacking. It, it's not, we, most Christians don't lack knowledge. We, we have, do you know there are people all over the world that have just heard glimpses of Jesus and are obediently following the little bit they know every day? We have Bible studies upon Bible studies upon Bible studies. Y'all, you have access to more Bible information than ever before in the history of the world. You can listen to any pastor you want to live stream. You can download all of Spurgeon's sermons. You can, I mean, you name it. You've got access to it all. It's not a lack of access or information. Our problem is we're not obeying what we know. We're not living in community with one another. We're not uh, daily saying, God, change me, make me into your image. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. We very seldom pray, Father, not my will, but your will be done. We pray, Father, please let my will be done. Right? And we wonder, what's going on? So I, I just want to challenge you. We've got to love God. Why? Because of how he's loved us. Because of how he's loved us. Which brings me to the last point then, guys, is then we've got to love people. We've got to love people. Uh, we've got to love people. I love how um, John ends this little section. Here's, here's what it says. Uh, I think this is verse 11 and 12 I have for you. It says, Dear friends, if God loved us this way, uh, you could put a then there, then we also must love one another. Right? No one's ever seen God, but if we love one another, God remains in us, and His love is made complete in us. If we, uh, 
If, if God's loved us this way, then we must also love one another. If God has loved us this way, then we must also love one another. Just, just follow me here. If God has loved me this way, then I have got to love others that way, right? Say, so how do I do that, Pastor? Well, I, I, would, I, I would say a, a couple things, right? Uh, I, think, I think we've kind of lined out what love is scripturally, so uh, we, we love people fully. What does it mean lo- to love, love people fully, right? What, what means that it's not dependent on how they love me. That's a tough one, isn't it? It's a tough one. We naturally want to be around people that like us. We do. I, I, I want to hang out with people that are like, hey, good job. Like, I don't, I, you know, people that are like, man, you kind of stink at life. You know, that's not, those aren't my favorite people normally, you know? The Bible says, but love is choosing to share what God has done for you with others despite how they feel about you, right? So I'm going to love them fully. I'm going to love them regardless of, of how they love me. Uh, th- th- this love uh, doesn't keep record of wrongs. That one is killer, isn't it? Gosh, I hate that. When it applies to me and others, I love that when it applies to me and God. It says, if God has loved us this way, then we must love others this way. Uh, by the way, that love is costly. It costs God his very own son. Okay? And to, to love somebody that way, where you don't keep records of wrongs, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you hurt. It's going to cost you like being uncomfortable. Like it, it, it's, somebody has to pay the price, by the way, for love. Always. And the Bible would say, okay, so you, you pay the price. Right? You pay the price. Okay? Uh, that kind of love is, is patient. Come on. You know you got somebody in your family... Like they they jump they they jump like on like of the nerves. Let's say there were a thousand uh, two hundred and seventy six nerves. They are on one thousand two hundred seventy six the moment they say your name. Ah! Just I mean just being in their presence gets you there, right? And God says, "How am I with you? I'm patient, right? This kind of love is humble." This kind of love knows better, right? Knows what it takes. Like a, yeah, this kind of love actually knows that the person that they're loving most of the time is wrong, but serves them anyway. Whew. If God has loved us the way He's loved us, then we ought to love others that way too. And get this, if we do, crazy declaration of the Bible, the world will be changed and we will be like him and others will be like him too. So this Christmas, I hope uh, you celebrate why all this has happened, right? Because Jesus is our only hope. He's our only peace. He's our one true source of joy. And finally, He is the love of God given for our sake. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank You for this kind of love that You have displayed, that You have given to us. We know that uh, Jesus came because of who You are. Because God, You are love. We know that He came because we needed it. We know that He came 
because the cross was necessary. Jesus, thank you not just for coming, not just for being born. No, but thank you for being born in order to die for our sake. This is love. Not that we love you, but that you loved us and you gave yourself up as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Help us live for you now because of how you live for us. In Jesus' name we pray.